0: You know, I mean, I've done one open letter to the chancellor. I'm quite happy to do another open letter to the chancellor and say, look, this isn't working. If you're a director of a company and you're paying yourself just up to the NI threshold and then you're topping up with dividends, you will only get covered up to the NI threshold at the moment. So you'll get 80 percent of that. At the present, the dividends aren't covered. In my open letter to the Chancellor, I was arguing that that wasn't fair and that the way small business company owners are paying themselves is a long tried and tested route. And yes, the government's changed dividend tax policies, but don't punish people for following the law.
1: Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business
0: and achieve a bigger impact.
1: Hello and welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast with Gavin Preston, number 99 of the Business Mastermind podcast podcast. Today we're speaking with David Horn as part of my Keep Your Boat Afloat series, owned Slightly UK focused in that we're zoning in on the seven different support elements for British businesses during the COVID-19 crisis and how you can increase your chances of success with a Seabills loan application, for example, and some of the things that you should be paying attention to in terms of funding of your business. Uh, David is a best-selling, award-winning author of his book, Add Then Multiply, um, which is a fantastic book, and in it he shares his four-stage process of fund, acquire, consolidate and exit. A powerful and effective strategy that's going to come into the fall more and more over the coming months and years. So straight into the interview now with David Horn. Hello and welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast, uh, another in the mini-series Keep Your Boat Afloat. And Gavin here and today I'm with David David Horn. Now, David is a um, multiple FD, a CFO for a number of different businesses. He's got a lot of experience in raising debt funding for numerous uh, companies across the world. David, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast.
0: Thank you, Gavin. Good to be here.
1: So you have really sort of picked up um, the baton, haven't you, around following up with the government funding measures to support businesses in the UK, specifically um, through the COVID-19 times you've written to the Chancellor, you've been sort of uh, advocating certain groups within the business community that might not have had the the support that others may have had. And I wanted to get you onto the podcast to talk about um, updates around the measures in place to support businesses in the UK through the um, COVID-19 crisis, and then also to talk about how you see that situation evolving. So first of all, would you like to give a little bit of a, a background, an introduction to yourself, please, David?
0: Sure, we will do. So um, my name is David Horn. Um, I'm originally from Canada, hence the accent. Um, I trained as a chartered accountant with PwC, uh, worked with them internationally. I've lived in the UK since 1993. Yep. Um, and I was uh, in the noughties. I was the CFO of two businesses listed on AIM. I've raised over £100 million in debt and equity funding. Wow. I've bought or sold. Uh, I think, at the latest count, it's twenty-three companies. So I'm just one short of two dozen. Yeah. Um, and uh, for the last ten years, I have worked exclusively with entrepreneurs, helping them to scale their companies. Um, and I've written a um, award-winning, best-selling book
1: called "Add Then Multiply." Fantastic. And yes, it was the British Business Book Awards.
0: Yep. Business Book Awards. Yes, it won the best business self-development book at the Business Book Awards uh, on the night that Boris announced the lockdown. Fantastic. And I remember seeing that you
1: did the kind of uh, award ceremony virtually. So there, you were in your dinner jacket, black tie, uh, celebrating the news all via all via Zoom. Absolutely fantastic. So um, I'd like to uh, get you to share. Um, some people already know well, be well aversed with the, the measures uh, for business uh, to support businesses through this time. But I just wanted to get you to share the kind of the updates that, that you're aware of. And, and also, um, most importantly, how people are finding it easy to access, whether it be C-bills, uh, whether it be grant funding, et cetera.
0: Yeah, absolutely. OK, so there's actually there's actually seven areas that I've got that the government has has um, announced and, and, and made available um, and I've I've written articles about them, so they're on my social media. Um, if you just search me on whatever social media, it's David B Horn, H O R N E, and and you can look at the detail. But um, so there's I'll just tell you the seven, and then we'll we'll go through each of them. So there's the VAT deferral. There's grants. Uh, there's the Sybil scheme. Uh, there's the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme, or CJRS. There's the Self Employed Income Support Scheme. Um, There's time to pay with HMRC, and finally there is the insolvency uh, rules have been temporarily uh, lightened or or relaxed. So um, VAT deferral, that's a really easy one. Uh, That was announced uh, by the Chancellor on the 23rd of March, and basically any VAT payment that you are due to make between the 23rd of March and the end of June, you can defer that, And it's due at the end of, well, I think it's on the 5th of April, so the end of the tax year uh, of 2021. So you're still on the hook for the VAT. You still need to file your VAT return as you would normally, but you don't need to make the payment. And if you're currently on a direct debit with HMRC, temporarily cancel it so that they don't take that payment by accident. They're not going to do it deliberately. But You don't have to ring up
1: to uh, ask for the deferment. You just don't pay it. No, you sub-
0: it's just an automatic thing. You just don't have to pay. Presumably so that's, st- that's a great
1: one. Presumably you still submit your VAT return as normal.
0: You still submit your VAT return as normal. So if you're on a quarterly, you know, so if you're on a January to March quarter, your VAT return is still due by the 7th of May. Um, it's the 7th of the month following yep. the month yep. that you do. And then you have until March 20, end of March 2021. End of March 2021 to make the payment. So you're still liable to make it, but it's a, it's effectively a year's deferral.
1: And what we don't know yet is what will happen, again, if it's the quarter, what happens to the June quarter or the September quarter?
0: Correct. Well, for the time being, it's just been announced for the current quarter. But but for most businesses, you know, that's, that's a huge benefit. Um, and that's a chunk of cash that goes out. HMRC have also said that if anyone is filing and they are entitled to a VAT reclaim that will be paid so there's no issue there
1: Oh that's a really good one because I was just working through a cash flow analysis yesterday with a client of mine um, and we won't that particular client won't be doing a great deal in sales over the coming months they're in the events industry and so yeah. we would be due a VAT refund and my assessment um so at the end of September so for the September quarter and probably even for the June quarter actually and my assessment was they're hardly going to pay us a VAT refund if we owe them a VAT from the March but this and the, what you're saying is that they would pay the VAT refund and we would still have
0: until the end of March to pay ah now that's a good question um I- Based on what I've seen, I think the answer is yes. I can't say I've researched that specific yeah. case. But what I know is they've said that the, the VAT quarter to, to whatever the quarter is where your liability falls between the 23rd of March and the end of June, you do not have to make that payment. If you're due a refund, I don't know the answer to that one. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, if they do a refund that's more than the liability, you'll certainly get the excess back and, and it might well be. I mean, the 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 wording that came out simply said that the VAT liability at the end of the current quarter does not need to be paid until the end of yeah. March 2020. Yeah, I'll we'll have to see how that one pans out.
1: Great. Yeah. So that was that's a great one. That's an easy one. That's cash in, um, into, it's retained in the business uh, when it's needed most. So if you sort of that's carried it on down your list.
0: Yeah. So the next one is the grant funding. And, and this again, so this is cash direct into your business. If you have rateable business premises, so if you're renting premises and you get a business rates assessment, if your rateable value is less than 15 grand and you are eligible for small business rate relief, and it will say that on your rates assessment, then you will get a 10,000 pound grant from your local authority. Great. There's nothing you need to do. The local authorities will be informing people who are eligible for that from the Speaking around with people, I've noticed so far local authorities are already reaching out. Uh, Some will take longer than others. As we all know, local authorities got rather decimated during the austerity years. Um, So it might take a little longer, but the commitment has been that these grants will be paid in April. And there is nothing you need to do. If you're eligible, your local authority will contact you. But if you want to check your eligibility, get get your latest rates assessment. If your rateable value is less than 15 grand and you are eligible for small business rate relief or rural rate relief, if you're in a rural area, um, then you will be eligible for the grant. There's an additional um, condition or not condition. There's an additional offer that's been made as well for businesses that are in retail, leisure and hospitality because they had forced shutdowns. Same base conditions, but if your rateable value is up to £50,000, you'll get a £25,000 grant.
1: Right. Great. Right.
0: So, so anybody who owns a shop um, or a restaurant or a gym or anything like that that falls within retail, hospitality and leisure, Uh, Because of the enforced shutdown uh, following the lockdown announcement, there's an enhanced grant available.
1: Fantastic. For
0: rateable values up to 50
1: grand. And again, the local authority, local council will get in touch with the individual business.
0: That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. Okay, the next one is um, Siebel's or Sybil's. I I, I like to call it Sybil's because it reminds me of Basil Fawlty's wife. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So, Sybil's is the Coronavirus Business Interruption Loan Scheme. And um, this is the one that probably has had the biggest noise, um, initially thinking, wow, this is fantastic, and, and Rishi Sunak stepping in and saving everybody. Uh, subsequently, all sorts of bad press about the banks being greedy. And then last week, um, Rishi Sunak announced further changes. I actually wrote him a letter 10 days ago. I, I, I don't think it was because of my letter that he made the changes, but hopefully <laughs> I, I added to the voice. Um, and um, basically, this is a loan that the government will guarantee up to eighty percent of the value, um, and, and the whole idea behind that is that it de-risks it for the bank. Yeah. So there are there are four criteria that you have to meet. Uh, your business turnover has to be less than forty-five million pounds. So it's it's very much focused on the SME sector. Um, your business has to be primarily UK-based. Now, there's no specific detail on that, but if you've got a UK location, if you're a registered company in the UK, if you've got employees in the UK, if you've got activities going on in the UK, you should be all right. Um, I, I think it's designed so you know. Obviously, a French business couldn't apply for it, but you know, again, I think the idea is is principally just just to focus on on the UK. Um, you need to be able to demonstrate that your um, business was viable prior to the coronavirus kicking in. So if you were a business that was about to go bust, you're not going to get the loan. But if you had a viable business and then all of a sudden, because of the lockdown and the implications of that, you know, 20, 30, 50, 90, 100% of your revenue has literally disappeared, um, you need to be able to show that prior to that, you had a viable business and and you need to produce two years of of, um, full accounts, um, current management accounts and projections that show this is what my business would have done. And this is what I now see my business happening to my business because of COVID-19. Great. Um, a couple of other key issues that have come up, and one of, the, one of the biggest ones was that the banks were originally requiring personal guarantees. Yes, they were, yeah. The biggest change that came from the Chancellor's announcement last week is that on loans up to £250,000, the banks cannot take a personal guarantee. So that's, that's huge. That's great news. That's really huge. And, and, you know, for most, I mean, it'll obviously depend on the size of the business, but I think for most businesses... Two hundred and fifty grand will help get them through, particularly with the other measures that are available. Two hundred and fifty grand will help them get through the next three six months of trade. Um, you know, if you if you're a bigger business and you know that won't even cover your payroll, then you've got other issues to address. But but this is really designed to assist the majority, and certainly anything that's a small business, this should be a huge huge lifeline for. And a medium business, it's still a good deal up to the two fifty, and if you need more, you can go for it. But you will have to sign a PG. And the,
1: the removal of the PG is obviously huge. You know, I had client, conversations with clients where they were saying, I, "I cannot afford to take on any more PGs. I, I don't want to put my house or my assets under any more risk than they already are. I've got to look at the prospect that I might lose my business. So um, that has been a, really has been a lifeline that that change."
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And, and one other specific thing, and you, uh, since you mentioned that, under the Sybil schemes, even if you've given a personal guarantee, the bank is not allowed to put a charge on your home. On your principal, primary, re- uh, your primary principal residence is the, is the, the, the official terminology. So does that,
1: remain, does, that mean, home. does that mean removal of existing charges?
0: No, it doesn't mean removal. So if there are existing charges, then, then those charges stay. But yeah. if you don't have charges on your personal home, and you give a personal guarantee the bank cannot put a charge on your home if you have a holiday property or a, okay. a, a pool of buy to let assets or something they can put charges on that okay but they cannot put a charge on your main home and that would that applies to loans
1: over 250,000 when they would need some security correct yeah correct okay. great
0: and then the the other thing that the government's clarified is the way that the, the 80% guarantee works so if we if we take an example I'll do two examples, so so, uh, Jane Smith runs a business called JS Widgets, and um, Jane borrows 100 grand, so there's no personal guarantee, and let's say, unfortunately, Jane's business fails, so the bank will go in and they'll have a charge over the assets in Jane's business. Now, let's say that the the assets are realized 20 grand, so there's an £80,000 deficit on that loan facility. The government will cover eighty percent of that eighty thousand pound deficit, or sixty four grand, and the bank will have to eat the sixteen grand because Jane's not on the hook for anything because she hasn't given a PG. Great, and okay.
1: and and the bank will be the preferential creditor in those situations. And HMRC low,
0: goes lower down the uh, packing HMRC order. HMRC is never a preferential creditor. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. No, the bank, the bank, the banks will the banks will likely have the first charges there. Um. Take another example. Uh, uh, John Brown runs a company, uh, JB Supplies Limited. John needs 500,000 pounds. So he's going to have to give a PG. Um, And let's say, unfortunately, John's business fails. So the bank will go in and they will liquidate whatever is in the business. And let's say that they can get 100 grand for the sale of the assets. So that leaves 400,000 on the loan. Uh, John is on the hook for 20% of that or 80 grand. And the government will step in and pick up the 80% of that or 320 grand.
1: Right. Okay. Even so, even on a so balance of it.
0: In, in even, the- even under the PG scenario, the government is coming in and covering the 80%. And that, again, is a huge, huge Massive. change. Massive. Great. So now I've, I've, um, I've joined to find out whether they're eligible for Sybils or not. Um, it's cbils-scorecard.co.uk. Um, and that's completely free uh, right. there's a series of sixteen questions to go through which will assess first of all are you eligible under the core requirements yeah and secondly, based on how you answer the question, you know do you need some more help putting this together? We then have an offering um uh that we can help if people want to, but the scorecard itself is free for people to go in and just assess their 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 eligibility and their readiness so I just want to probe that a little bit
1: more because um the provisions that are under sea bills that the government have put in place sound phenomenal. Access to them for some is proving problematic.
0: It is. It is. And, and, and that's really driven by a couple of factors. Um, and and at, at, at the risk of sounding like I'm supporting the, the banks, um, but I, I do know several senior bankers and I've spoken with them. And, and I think the biggest challenge that the banks have faced is because of the regulatory environment that they offer, operate under. As, as banks, you would expect them to have among the most stringent regulation. Um, and all of the banks' systems and processes have been designed around systems that are operating in bank centers, whether that's a branch or a call center or an offshore center or anything. All of their security has been built into that process so that it's like a if you think of the old dial-up internet things, you know it's like those old walled garden scenarios yeah, yeah, that yeah. we used to have uh, for those of us who've been around a little while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and And so they've got that environment that is secure. They're now in a situation where all of their employees in the UK have been told to go and work at home. Some branches are still open, but on very much reduced hours. And the vast majority of their people are at home. And these are employees who don't necessarily have a bank designated laptop, but they might have a computer at home, but who knows what security is attached to that. Uh, and they might be on a talk talk or a Sky or a Virgin internet line that's not secure. And so the banks have had to go in and address all of these security issues so that when they do start sharing this kind of stuff, it complies with their FCA regulations. And that, that in its own is a huge piece of work. I can imagine the IT guys in the, in the banks have been going nuts.
1: Yeah. Um, I was speaking to um, a HSBC relationship manager only yesterday, and he was explaining that um, the HSBC, for example, have mobilized people from all aspects of the bank into kind of frontline taking and making calls to customers to help process OD applic- overdraft applications and bills yeah.
0: applications. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And, and you know, and it, and, and I mean, the banks have been overwhelmed with demand it has. Um, there was an article that came out for, uh, on City AM saying that less than one percent of Siebel's applications had been approved so far, but I think that's probably from the sort of the the pre-revision uh, stuff. So I'm 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 monitoring this closely. I'm aware of um, I'm aware of a few people. Uh, you mentioned one to me, Gavin, of of a, a client of yours in Wales who would got one. I'm aware of a client in the um, southwest of England who would got one. It appears that the regional development banks are are being much more nimble and much
1: more supportive. That was my experience that the regional development banks, the one that the story I heard and I've got actually a conversation later this morning as it happens uh, with a gentleman who's been successful working for one of his clients with the development. So the Business Bank of Wales. And he put an application in at 7 a.m. one morning. I think it was last midweek last week. And by 11.00 am the following day notification of funds in his account which is phenomenal uh-huh.
0: that, and that's how it should work I, I I have a client in Switzerland and the Swiss I mean you'd expect the Swiss to be efficient but yes yeah they, yeah. they went for a larger facility they're a more established business but um, they they you know they, they put in their application the bank came back and asked for some some additional information we supplied the additional information and within 48 hours they had more than half a million pounds equivalent in the bank.
1: Hey Gavin here, thank you for taking the time to listen to this mini-series within the Business Mastermind podcast entitled Keep Your Boat Afloat, Business Survival Guide in COVID-19 Times. If you're getting value from this, please do share it across your social media networks and to your business colleagues and acquaintance. Because I've gone out and got a number of guests lined up that will really help such as the MD of the British Business Bank, a business disaster planning specialist, people around marketing and around mindset at this crucial time, including an Olympic athlete. So there's some really fantastic and really high caliber content coming your way, designed to help and support you through these challenging times. I've also put together a PDF entitled the same, Keep Your Boat Afloat, a business survival guide during COVID-19 times. You can get that free at bit.ly, Keep Your Boat Afloat. So you go to this link, bit, or this URL, sorry, bit.ly forward slash Keep Your Boat Afloat, all lowercase, all one word, bit.ly forward slash Keep Your Boat Afloat. I cover eight areas around employees, cash strategies, the supply to your business, suppliers, your customers, pivot and adapt your marketing your mindset and your community you'll get a lot of value from that as well in support of in addition to what you'll find listening to this mini-series keep your boat afloat so that url again bit.ly forward slash keep your boat afloat and most of all take care and look after those closest to you So, uh, obviously, the the banks are overwhelmed, which is uh, understandable, and and they they are doing everything that they can to mobilise it. Now, there is still, whilst there may be some relaxation of the credit Process and some speeding up of the credit process. There's still a credit application that has to be approved.
0: Very much so. And Very much so. This is
1: where I wanted to sort of dive into to, to what uh, you and your colleagues have, have put together your product, take it to the bank, because I believe you've obviously spotted it and wisely spotted an opportunity. But I really ha- believe that this will help expedite your application. So, do you, do you want to just explain more about the take it to the bank uh, product you put together?
0: Sure. So it's 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 a combination. So I've I've teamed up with a couple of guys who run a business called. Ro- mascot and um, they have specialized in um, producing pitch decks for people who are raising um, startup startup venture funding so seed capital early stage capital Um, and they've had a tremendous success rate in putting together um, really professional pitch decks to go out and and raise money Um, and and we teamed up because of my experience in in the actual raising process I mean in my PLC days I think my bank debt in total is about £35 million that I've raised, and I've done that in several countries. Um, So I understand the language of banks and the way banks think, um, but I also understand the language of entrepreneurs, and I kind of act as the translator between the two. So what we're offering is, as I say, there's the free scorecard, um, and then if people choose to go ahead with the product, what we're offering is a... um, uh, we will produce for you a professional business plan uh, that sets out all of the requirements that the banks are saying that they need in terms of getting your historical information, your current management accounts, some cash flow projections. We'll produce two sets of cash flow projections, one that says, here's what your business would have done based on the historical activity and what's known and going on in your business. And A lot of companies don't even have that kind of a, of a projection, but we can produce that from the historical information and a few discussions. And then we'll also produce a projection that demonstrates because of coronavirus, these things have happened that have led to the cuts in the revenue and, and other things. And we'll come on to the job retention scheme and the furlough stuff. and We can model all of that to demonstrate here's what it would have been, here's what it is now, this is why the facility is needed, and here's why it's a viable business because you've got a, you know, you'll have a pitch deck with 10 or 12 slides and a set of financials. Fantastic.
1: And obviously, it's human beings in the credit team that are approving the credit applications. And if you present them a document document like that, you are making their life easier for them. And it's easier for them to, you know, computer says yes, isn't it, at that stage?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, Absolutely. And for those people that um, have got some way down an application process and your relationship manager at your bank is already putting one together... My recommendation is that you speak to your relationship manager, your banker said, you know, with every application, there's a comment section or several comment sections where they're, the bank manager, the relationship manager is providing some kind of a narrative, some kind of an explanation of what you, why you need the money and why the situation you're in. Help them write their comments because you're going to know more about your business. You're going to be able to articulate the challenges and the opportunities in your business better than than they can because they, 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 they don't know your business. Absolutely. Great.
0: Um,
1: One thing that's uh, just live kind of little case studies, as an aside, one of my clients is in the construction industry, and I won't name the name of their high street bank, but their high street bank has turned around to them and said, um, we are not confident about the stability of the construction sector out the other side of this. A fairly predictable response in terms of economic cycles and how construction can get hit. And they are then being very reluctant to support them. Um, they've gone back and they've pushed back about Seabulls, particularly since the announcement recently about the removal of the PGs. Um, but they they are reluctant as a bank to re- to increase their ex- what they're seeing is their exposure to an industry that they think is going to be hit more than others at the other side of this. Um, now. Given that so many banks are dealing or struggling to deal with current customers, now presumably would not be the time for this organisation, this business to change banks.
0: No. And in fact, a lot of the high street banks are saying that they will only be considering applications from their existing customers. Yeah. Um, and and it's interesting what you said, because I was approached the other day by someone who was at, um, one of, we'll just say one of the challenger banks. Okay. Uh, I won't name them, um, but um, they have an existing as a invoice discount facility with an alternative finance house. Yep. That alternative finance house has a first charge over their um, debtors and current assets. Sure. And this uh, this uh, challenger bank is saying, "Well, there's someone else has a first charge, so we're not going to give you a Sybil's loan." Right. So I'm I'm trying to collate stories and and I'm reaching out to people, you know, who's been successful, who hasn't been successful, and kind of trying to put together a, a, a like an intelligence system around that so that we can help people and identify, you know, understand the risk. But also, you know, I mean, I've done one open letter to the chancellor. I'm quite happy to do another open letter to the chancellor and say, and look, this isn't working. And this example is
1: construction business. They had a viable future. And yeah. um, uh, and the other point that their bank made is that they had actually sod's law about the timing, but they had just purchased their own commercial building. So they've got... Um, uh, guarantees on the on a commercial mortgage so the yeah. bank has already got exposure to that organization to that um, business because they, they they made the choice to invest in commercial property to house yeah. their business operations um but you know my advice to them is you've got to fight this you've got to demonstrate those two different cash flow scenarios that you've just articulated how it would have been how it's going to be and I'm now to asking them and suggesting to them, right? Look around the facilities, managers, management, the maintenance uh, opportunities in your um, in your industry. Um, there may well be, I don't know, but there may well be some kind of stimulus provided for new build housing. I don't know what's going to come down the track. Um, but you, I, my encouragement for them to them, even only last night was get on the phone to your customers to your industry contacts to people within property investment sectors and look for where you believe there to be opportunities
0: yeah definitely definitely and and you know i i mean who's going to be able to say which sectors are going to come out best and which sectors are going to come out worst and you know right right now if you're in food retail or delivery you're absolutely booming And, you know, I mean, I I was working for a a client that's a supplier to uh, high end um, luxury hotels and spas and her business has just been effectively shut down because theirs has been shut down. You know, I mean, I mean, we haven't quite got onto the job retention scheme, but I saw a headline this week that British Airways has furloughed 38,000 people. Job, let's, so, go, let's go there then, job retention scheme. Okay, so the job retention scheme, and, and, and there's, there's two related schemes. So there's the coronavirus job retention scheme, which was the first one announced, and that is focused on protecting people who are employed who would otherwise have been made redundant because of the, the, the impacts of the, of the um, coronavirus shutdown. And the way this scheme works, it's, it's been announced and it should be effective by the end of this month. Um, but basically you can furlough employees, which means take them out of your business. And I mean, they're at home anyway, um, and they don't work. So it's literally, there is no work for them, so, so they don't work, but instead of making them redundant, you put them on furlough and the government will pay 80% of their salary up to a cap of 2,500 pounds. And the the reason for that limit was basically that's what average earnings are in the country, um, and so if you've got someone who's on two grand a month, uh, they'll get sixteen hundred pounds under this this scheme. If they're on three grand a month, they'll get two thousand four hundred pounds under this scheme. If they're on three thousand one hundred and twenty five or more a month, they're capped at at two thousand five hundred. And basically, what you do is you 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 there's a, a You can go onto any legal website and get get the, you know, there's guidance on loads of lawyers' websites on what you need to do. You need to write to your employees and inform them that they're being put on to furlough. Um, You must put them on furlough for a period of at least three weeks, although you can cycle. So if if this thing goes on for, let's say, nine weeks, um, you know, you might and you've got six employees, you might say employees one, two, three and four, you're on furlough. Five and six, I need you in the business just to keep things ticking over. And then after three weeks, it's, right, one, two, five, and six, you're on furlough. Three and four, I need you in the business. And then after six weeks, it's, right, one and two, you come in, and three, four, five, and six, you're on furlough. Just to kind of balance it and make it fair for everyone. Um, and uh, the whole idea is that, that it gives people some cash flow to keep things ticking over during, during the time that's going, uh, that, that, that we're in the lockdown. Um, a couple of other key things, uh, and, and there are some, you know, there are some unfortunate guillotine situations. But in order to qualify for this, you <clears throat> you had to have had people on your PAYE payroll on the 28th of February. Yeah. So if you have a new employee who joined on the 1st of March, unfortunately, they don't qualify. Nope. Um, but if they were on your PAYE payroll on the 28th of February, then they will qualify, rolling forward. That scheme is backdated to the 1st of March. So if you actually made people redundant in March, you can cancel their redundancy and furlough them and backdate your claim. But if you hadn't done that, certainly for April and May, you have the ability to furlough your staff, you will continue to pay them. And then there's this new portal that's been developed by or that's being developed developed by HMRC They say it will be ready by the end of um, April. And in fact, on yesterday's uh, government announcement um, at 5 p.m., there was a specific question from one of the journalists, and Rishi Sunak said that HMRC are making good progress and they remain confident. We'll He'd see. say that anyway, but at least he said
1: it. A couple of points on that. I um, spoke to, with one of my clients. They uh, outsourced the payroll to an accountancy uh, practice, uh, which is which is fairly common with, in the SME sector. And I said, are you able to um, make those claims on the government portal? And their response was no, it has to be because the directors have to make a declaration it has to be the directors that will make the claim on that government portal. That was the view right. of this particular okay. accountancy firm anyway.
0: Okay, no, and that's probably going to apply for anyone who outsources their payroll that so they'll need to coordinate with their whoever is producing their payroll, whether it's a payroll service bureau or their own or their external accountants. Having said that, with 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 a number of you know softwares that have come out in recent years, it's a lot easier to process sure. payroll yourself than it used in, to be. And
1: point to clarification, that two thousand five hundred caps on their gross monthly gross uh, remuneration.
0: That is the monthly gross contractual salary. Um, it doesn't cover any discretionary payments, but if there are variable compensation elements like commission that are contractual, it covers it up to that cap. Yeah. It also covers. Employers' national insurance on whatever that salary was, and if your employee was in the auto enrollment pension scheme, it covers the employer's element of the um, uh, of 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 the pension contribution.
1: Yeah. and depending on the level of salary, i haven't I haven't crunched the numbers on this, but um if you were just there or thereabouts, that cap or just a bit over that cap in terms of your gross salary um by the time uh, by the time you've actually because you get earning less gross your tax take is relatively less so your net so for some people their net take home pay isn't significantly impacted
0: it may not be significantly impacted that, uh, but in reality i mean on on a cap of 2500 if you were only just over yep. you're going to be on a 20% tax rate anyway it's not yep. like you were you know you've you've saved 10 grand at a 40% tax rate so you're 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 reducing it 20% of but what what I i've said to people is is is, you know nobody's going to the theater nobody's going to the cinema nobody's going out for dinner nobody's going out clubbing at the weekend so all going on holiday your your take home pay is a lot less but you're you're not having to spend as much yeah exactly exactly you know nobody nobody's nobody's commuting
1: no yeah exactly i mean
0: i mean i mean for anybody commuting in london i mean i i'm in london in zone three to go into zone one you know, there and back in a day. If I do another trip, I'm I'm capping at eight nine quid a day. You know, that's forty five fifty. Presumably, you've
1: been able to cancel, get a refund on season tickets on the transport networks, have you? I have no idea. Pro- I, I'm yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. yeah, I do Oyster pay as you go. Now, yeah. I'm sure that that will be covered. Yeah, fantastic. Next. So, apart from the job retention scheme, um, oh, t- two points on that. Number one, if you're a director of a company and you're paying yourself just up to the NI threshold, and then you're topping up with dividends you will only get covered up to the NI threshold at the moment so you'll get 80% of that at the present the dividends aren't covered i've in my open letter to the chancellor i was arguing that that wasn't fair and that you know the way the way small business company owners are paying themselves is a long tried and tested route and yes the government's changed dividend tax policies but don't don't punish people for following the law so unfortunately that's where we are the other thing that's been clarified is whether or not directors are allowed to furlough themselves. And there are some fairly complex rules about that. I've set that out in a post uh, that came out um, last week. Uh, uh, if people go onto my LinkedIn profile, just go onto LinkedIn and it's David B. Horn. Um, or you can go onto my company website, adthenmultiply.com, and just go to the blog page, and the, the posts are in there. Um, but the, it sets out specifically what rules you need to follow if you're a director. You have to have a board meeting. You have to minute it, stuff like that. And then, although you're not allowed to work for the company, you you can fulfil your statutory duties as a director. Sure. So it, it's a it's a it's a little bit of a balancing act. The other the other scheme that's similar to CJRS um, is for people who are self-employed, and so that's anyone who doesn't run through a limited company, but is an unincorporated business where they put their P&L through their self-assessment tax return. um, And they pay class two and class four NI instead of class one NI. Um, So for the self-employed, a very similar scheme is in operation. This one won't kick in until June, they're saying, because it's a more complex set of developments uh, on the IT side. But basically, 80% 80% of your average earnings. You need to produce evidence of your average earnings. Um, 80% of your average earnings. I think over the last two years, again up to the cap of two thousand five hundred pounds will be covered. Where it gets unfair, and this was also in my letter to the Chancellor, is at the moment if anyone's average earnings as a self-employed person are more than fifty grand, they don't qualify. Yeah. And my argument to the Chancellor was. If you're on a salary of fifty thousand and one, you get two thousand five hundred. If you're self-employed and make fifty thousand and one, you get nothing. Surely that's not fair. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: So, so we're waiting on that. We'll see. The last um, tax-related thing that 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 I want to touch on briefly, and this, this isn't new. This is something that's always existed, and it's HMRC's time to pay scheme. So this is where you have other tax liabilities. Um, and HMRC have always had a policy that if you're struggling as a business, you can reach out to them and ask for assistance and time to pay. They don't always grant it. You have to give a pretty convincing argument. Um, but my understanding is that HMRC are a lot more sympathetic uh, at the moment on time to pay schemes. So if you just Google HMRC time to pay, and the phone numbers will come up where you reach out. You have to call them. Uh, so you may have to wait a little while on the phone, but. Um, but, but that, that's an option that's available. Great. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on, and this was an announcement that came out about a week ago, um, and it didn't get much press, but if you are the owner of a small business, it's huge. And that was a relaxation of the insolvency rules. Um, so anyone who's ever had to worry about this kind of thing, there is a legal term called insolvent trading which means if you're doing business and you know that you are not able to meet your liabilities as they fall due, um, that is a criminal offence. And if you are a director of a company that has been found to have been insolvent trading, and here's the real trick, or should have known that it was insolvent trading, then you are personally on the line and the courts can come after you and reclaim personal assets from you because you should have ceased trading and called in the administration. It's even could be punishable with uh, imprisonment, couldn't it? In serious cases, you can also be imprisoned. Yes. yes. Uh, so it's a very, very serious um, uh, thing. The government has announced a temporary relaxation of the rules around that. Um, again, there's no detail yet. Um, but again, I've written a blog post on that one. So again, if you go onto my LinkedIn profile or onto my website. Um, and that particular blog post, um, it's it's the one that has a picture of of waves crashing up against the lighthouse.
1: Uh, but you know, for a, the specifics of the mechanics around this, a winding up petition has to be issued. That has to be approved by a court. If I just correct me if I'm wrong, and where, correct me where you need to, please. Um, I would imagine that, given that the winding up petitions are not going to be given um, a, sort of much oxygen at this moment in time, are they? They're not going to. I-
0: I don't. I don't think they will. But I think where it's where it's trickier is even it be, before the winding up petition comes. If you're knowingly trading, knowing that you can't make your liabilities, and you're just hoping that your creditors aren't going to pay attention and aren't going to sure. aren't going to threaten you with the winding up petition. Sure. But if you knowingly do that, um, then you've committed the offence. And the idea behind, from what I've read, the idea behind this relaxation is. If you if you're knowingly doing it during the crisis, but you still have a reasonable belief that you're going to trade through, then they won't come after you. Fantastic.
1: Um, just quickly before we uh, before we sort of close, um, which businesses do you think, uh, or, or which kind of sectors do you think will do well out the during and out the other side?
0: Oh, wow! <sighs> if I had a crystal ball, yeah. um, let me preface that by saying. I think Warren Buffett must be licking his lips right now. Um, One of my favorite quotes from Warren Buffett is to be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. And right now, there are an awful lot of people who are being fearful. Rather than pick a sector, I would say the businesses that are going to do the best coming out of the other side will be those that have conserved their cash, those that haven't succumbed to fear. And sure, it's a scary time. Um, And nobody really knows how it's going to happen. And, you know, touch wood, nobody in my family has been affected by this. But I know people, um, I have a client whose uh, brother-in-law died from the coronavirus. Um, My wife has a, my wife's a a retired teacher. She has a colleague from her school whose brother died from the coronavirus. Um, You know, this, this thing just reaches out and wantonly gets people. So, um, you know, my heart goes out to anyone who's 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 lost a loved one. But in terms of business, I, I, those that have conserved their cash and those that have looked after their clients in whatever way is right. Um, as as I say, we're all in this shit together. Yes. Uh, that's my only expletive on the on on the call. Uh, I've actually created a new hashtag #WAITST. Love that. <laughs> uh, the, the polite version: We're all in this situation together. <laughs> um and uh you know re- reach out to your customers and talk to them reach out to the people in your supply chain and talk to them reach out to reach out to your community communicate with them because we are all in this together we're all we're all stuck at home um you know and i've i've been very careful to make sure that you know i'm not sort of overloading them but every couple of weeks i pick up the phone and talk to all of my clients and all of my key suppliers and just check in and. You know, and 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 just a bit of human contact is nice. Yes,
1: massively important.
0: And and I think anyone who can come through the other side, with still a good set of suppliers, a good set of customers, their core business should still be the same. And once the economy starts ticking over again, it should recover. Um, And if they've got cash, there will be bargains out there. There will be there will be other businesses that have gone into super duper fear mode and haven't been nurturing their customers and their supply chains. And when things come out the other side, they might fail or they might struggle. And, you know, it's a perfect opportunity to, to pick up another business that, under normal circumstances, would have been an amazing business. Yeah, um, so there's
1: acquisition opportunities out there, absolutely.
0: And, and I'll just, I'll close that with my other favorite Warren Buffett quote, um, which is, I would far rather buy a wonderful business at a fair price, than a fair business at a wonderful price.
1: Brilliant. What a great quote to end on. David, thank you so much. Could you just share the URL again if people want to do the back, the scorecard for the, and then and also how they will find out more about the Take It to the Bank product?
0: Absolutely. So the URL for the scorecard is cbils-scorecard.co.uk and that's completely free. Uh, it's a 16-question scorecard. You go through that and then... Uh, one of us on the team, will, will, you'll, you'll, you'll get an email report back, and then one of us on the team will get in touch and we can have a chat and see if, if, if we can help you or not. You right. know, there's no high-pressure selling or anything like that. Um, but uh, you know, for people who have a, a, a serious issue and don't know how to go about it, um, we've got the experience and, 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 and you know, would like to help. Fantastic. Um, and again, if anybody wants to um, check out any of my blog posts, addthenmultiply.com or my LinkedIn, uh, David B. Horn, uh, H-O-R-N-E, and all of my posts are up there as articles. David, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Gavin.
1: You've been listening to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success,
0: and create more impact.